On this episode of the Packet of Pod, we do a two-thirds season review as we look ahead to this final stretch run. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. It up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Yo, we fresh off a of bye week. Yeah, I'm all rested. Oh, the all fact rested. that we all hated so much that we had a week twelve bye, and now it's turned into a blessing is just it's just unreal. And oh. everybody in the league struggling. Like this is perfect. Yes, perfect. knowing that we didn't have to play and watching the Lions win against the Vikings. Mm. I mean, I mean mm. not just not, and not just the Lions, the rest of the NFL, seeing the rest of the NFL play. I'm just like, OK, we're OK. Let's just just get to the postseason and we'll be OK. Yeah. So was, for a half a second, I was hope I was, was kind of hopeful that the Bears were going to give the Cardinals a game. Mm. That was that was dumb. That yeah. Was dumb. You, you mean when Dalton ended the first half with 50 yards and two interceptions, you were. Was that the point where you no, said? No, it didn't last the first. It, it lasted like <laughs> the feeling probably lasted about six minutes into the game. <laughs> it's, it's. I I will say it's. It makes it more important, and it's going to be a conversation starter at some point in this podcast. But you look at that Arizona win and how well they're playing when they're healthy. It's. I man. All right. All right. But. So what we're going to do is instead of a normal bye week that usually floats around seven, eight, week nine, uh, with it being this late, we're going to kind of switch focus. We're still going to talk about who's doing good and who's doing bad, but it's more so in the optics of we only got a few games left before we make it to the playoffs. We're, we're about a win or two away from securing a, an absolute playoff spot, regardless if the wheels falls off. So with that, we want to introduce – a guy that we've had on this show before, but since that time, he has become a minority stake owner in our Green Bay Packers. Dun, Andy, dun, dun, welcome dun, dun. back to the pod. Woo! Let's talk Packers. Andy. Oh, thank you so much, guys. I, I really appreciate it. What kind, What a kind, kind intro that is. Good to becoming, be here. Becoming our annual guest here on the pod, always with yeah. the, the great insights and now part owner. The future Fitzy. Have you gotten your shareholder stock yet? I have, and my and my letter from uh, Mr. Murphy inviting me Ooh. to the owners' meetings in July. Yeah, so. baby, oh, that was yeah. quick. I'm sort of yeah. impressed. Yeah. So, well, what I, are the I plans for it? For the certificate? Right. Oh, it'll it'll be framed and and put in a dark corner out of my wife's <laughs> line of sight. Smart man. This is why we're yeah. here to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Wedding man. photos, family reunions, shareholders. Yeah. Yeah, what is that? What is that dark thing in the corner up there? Oh, well, let me tell you. Oh, the thing with the light shining on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah one one conveniently placed spotlight right on that, right on that certificate. Museum quality, and there's no other way to have it because the Green Bay Packers are on the verge of winning the NFC North 
yet again. And so taking a quick step back on the season, the Packers are nine and three. The next closest team is the Minnesota Vikings, as we talked about, who just lost to the Detroit Lions, who are five and seven. So the magic number for the Packers to get the at least the number four seed in the NFC is one more win and one more Vikings loss. However, that works. If we win two more, if whatever the case may be, our magic number is two on the season. Horrible game against the the Saints, which I think if we replay that, we win nine out of ten times. Then we go on a beautiful streak, beating up against the Lions, going to 49ers and taking one, beating Big Ben, that overtime thriller in Cincinnati, then going to Arizona and winning that one before falling to the Chiefs due to a certain individual having some symptoms. Uh Beating the Seahawks, losing the Vikings, beating the Rams. So nine and three. I don't remember what this podcast ended up saying. I want to say a majority of us were floating around 11 and six for the year. So the fact that, I mean, nine and three, holy cow. So are you guys in shock as much as me that there was an outside chance that even coming out of this bye, we would have the North wrapped up with over a month to go? Yeah, I mean, you couldn't ask for more. I think. We all expected the Vikings to be good again. Just another year where they got a pretty good roster and they're not putting it together. Love you, Kirk. Uh, and we all knew the Lions and the Bears were going to have some rebuilding efforts going on. Uh, and hopefully their time is, is on the up and up, you know, two, three years from now. But uh, the fact that the division is pretty much ours, uh, pending some craziness, uh, you can start thinking about home field advantage which is going to be huge. We're five and zero at home, all three losses on the road. I think it's time to just take sole focus on having home field advantage through the playoffs. Yeah, no way. I thought we'd be in this position. I thought the, for sure the Vikings would at least be on our tail, you know, game or two behind. Um, but for some reason they just can't pull off some wins. I mean, the, the losing against the lions in that fashion and, and calling yourself a playoff team, I don't think go hand in hand. So um, it's a pleasure to be Kings of the North again. Yeah, I just echo what you all said. Um, you know, I, I think we definitely anticipated Minnesota being better. I honestly felt that Chicago would be a bit better as well. They're at uh, four and eight right now. I would have figured they'd be a little closer to 500 and at least playing in some competitive games. But to to just be running away and, and to do it, with the myriad of injuries that we've had has been all that more impressive and going from last year where we had the top offense in the league to now rocking one of the best defenses in the league uh, just wouldn't have expected it. How much, uh, how much stock do you guys take in the point differential? Cause one thing that's interesting is while we're the second seed in the NFC, as it stands, we're sixth in point differential in the NFC. And even if you, even if you put the Saints game, you know, if you took that out and gave us 33 points back or whatever the exact amount is there, we'd still be fourth in point differential. How much, how much stock mean, do you take in that? It means more in baseball. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I definitely, I definitely take stock in, in the NFL. I mean, the, the majority, the majority of time I take those type of stats is just, are you in control of the game? You know, is it always on the heels and you guys are always having to make stuff up coming from behind or normally you've been outscored? 
um, but you get lucky with last second field goals. You know, I, I really see it as more consistency in the NFL stat uh, than, oh, wow, this team's better than the other just because they score more points because uh, it doesn't always fare that way. Yeah, Josh, I'd completely agree with that. I think, too, when you look at this team being uh, very balanced uh, on the offense and, and defensive sides, you're going to be in some closer games. And I think when you look at our wins, none of our wins were we were we having to come back from big deficits or in years past where we have a, a bunch of game winning field goals. It, it seemed like for the most part in, in all of our wins, we've uh, had a pretty good handle on the game, uh, including last week. It really felt like, um, or, or I guess two weeks ago, when we never really felt like the game was out of hand or even as close as what the final score said. So I think when you look at point differential, you, you really have to take into consideration everything that goes along with them. I don't really put much stock in that, at least for, for this Green Bay Packers team. Or, and the other thing you have to remember, too, is you can add back in that kind of Saints blowout in the beginning of the year. But if Crosby hits his field goals, we add yeah. 73 points onto the season. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> Holy <laughs> That's not a real stat, Josh, but yeah, it's, it's getting there. <laughs> well, let's talk about this because the amazing thing is beyond even that kind of comparison of keeping it close and kind of feeling comfortable, we're doing it without so many players. And I think we brought that up last episode that if out of our seven pro pullers of last year, they've already missed like 36 weeks of games. It's unbelievable. So, and take this with the finest grain of salt you have. Matt LaFleur said today in his press conference that he expects both Bakhtiari, Smith, and Alexander to potentially return to the practice field uh, this coming week. Out of those three, assuming that, let's just say, let's put a time stamp of week 15, all three of them are back on the field, who, in your mind, is the biggest of those three to be returning? Hands down, Z, big Z. This defense, I think, has all the pieces except their number one pass rusher. And if we can get him back and get double teams on him and free up the people that have already been creating a decent amount of pressure, especially our interior linemen, um, it's only going to make our corners better. It's going to make our linebackers better. It will improve the entire defense by adding one person. That, that's how I feel. I I'm going to go with the offensive side and take Bakhtiari. I, I do agree with you, Josh. I think that the level this D line is playing at adding Zadarius just it makes them that much better, but this defense has already been lights out. So it's hard to say that uh, either Jair or Z would, would make uh, the biggest impact. I think right now our, uh, depth at the offensive line just seems to be <laughs> dwindling every week. So I'm I'm very excited at the opportunity to add our best O-line who has yet to play a snap this year in there and just see how much better the offense starts humming to get them in there. I'm actually going to say the third person in this. I look at Jair being a huge difference maker, and it's purely based on the fact of what we saw in that Vikings game. Our inability at times to just lose guys, be one step behind. I, I know it hasn't bit us as much as it could because we've gotten that timely sack. We've gotten that timely interception. We've made things happen. But I look at potentially facing the Cardinals again, 
facing the Buccaneers, facing teams that are are very stacked in terms of receiving weapons, having Jair there, putting less pressure on Stokes, King returning, Douglas returning, safeties doing their thing. Just to know that he's out there roaming around, I think, is going to be huge to allow a little bit more time that even if Z isn't 100% to get into that backfield for a quarterback. So I'm going to actually say Jair on this one. So I get to be the judge, right? Tiebreaker. Yeah, baby. Go, go. So if you phrased it as who do you want back first, I would say Zadarius. I want him back. I want to see what that pass rush looks like. I want to get him in shape before the playoffs. But who's the most influential, the most impactful guy to make the return? I got to go with Jair by a hair. I know we I know we need Bakhtiari. I know we need him to win a Super Bowl. But you're asking a lot for Eric Stokes and practice squad Rasul Douglas to hang in for three or four games in the playoffs with or without Kevin King getting Jair into the secondary. I would say elevates them into a lockdown secondary. And you're going to need that in the playoffs. I know we need Bakhtiari too, but I'd have to go with Jair by a, by a hair of the chinny chin chin. Man, this is beautiful, you guys. This is how a podcast should work. This is, and then we're gonna do this transition because my next question was gonna be, what out of these kind of first twelve game weeks was your top moment of the year? The the moment where you go, holy cow, that was awesome. And mine, I'll just start it right off because it's the guy that we just mentioned, Rasul Douglas. Interception we're all gonna have the same one here, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. <laughs> the fact the fact that that game, we all went into it with the idea of let's just keep it close. Keep it close going in the second half, and then we did that. And I said, well, keep it close when we're going in the fourth quarter, and then we did that. And for them to drive all the way down, I don't think there was a a Packer fan in the world that didn't think that at the very least we were going to have a tied game. Like at the very least it was going to be tied. So for him to turn around, catch it, I mean, I don't know if there will be anything that tops that for the rest of the year. If it is, if there's some event that takes place in these final five regular season games and playoffs – I mean, holy mackerel. It's going to have hey, to be absolutely hey, ridiculous. What about Kenny Clark's highlight reel? I mean, that's got to be getting up there right now. I mean, that's got to be a pretty fun watch. Just as, as a whole. Sure. <laughs> the, top the top moment is his moment is Kenny Clark's highlight reel. <laughs> Did you fail statewide testing as a child? Get out of here. I'm trying to get interesting here. No, it's Not, hard to beat that Rasul Douglas pick. We just stabs his hand out there and has the concentration to pull that in. I sat in front of my TV, just mouth open through all of the player celebration at the end. They went to commercial. They came back from commercial. And I'm just still in shock at what I just witnessed because Arizona is driving into score. You go from being stopped on the one yard line, thinking that we just scored a touchdown that gets overturned. We don't get any points. Then you think, okay, well, Arizona's got to drive 99 yards to score. We're still up by three. Then they, of course, they drive it all the way down easily. And then you're just hoping for a field goal. So for them to come out with a win without going into overtime, just it it blew my mind. Yeah, and when they had the ball at the one, you're just like, uh, you know, we all said we'd be happy if we hung in there. And then, and then somehow we're all jumping up and down and be like, we didn't just hang in there. We won this game. I can't believe it. Hey. So unfortunately, it's still the team that's one game above us. But, you know, if you want to define top moment as something that's most impactful on the season as well, having the head to head W against Arizona could define home field advantage. 
And that crazy game versus the Bengals, that, that's an unforgettable one, too. I mean, Mason Crosby missing how many? Four field goals and then making the game winner, finally. And that was years of my life watching that game. That <laughs> a crazy, crazy game. I don't know about top moment. That just was like a sigh of relief. A low moment where we still got the dub. It felt like Detroit a few years ago. I mean, we talked about it in the recap episode, but it was like, are we going to miss five and lose a game we had again? But pulled that one off. They've been finding ways to win. It, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised, dare I say shocked, at how good they are this year. And maybe I shouldn't have been, but the defense has just stepped up in a way that makes them serious contender. Honorable mention for me is Ashley Douglas again, getting the pick six when they're, they're honoring Woodson, I thought was a really, really cool moment. Also in that game, it, we can't, we can't go any further without mentioning that we got a recovered punt fumble. So that I believe is the first special teams positive play for the Packers in the last 32 years. So can't, can't go against the fact that our punk coverage actually forced a fumble that we recovered. So yeah, shout forget, out to the boys. Nobody went with the top moment of Jalen Smith's one tackle. Yeah, well, hey, oh, wow. Were you leaving that for me? Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Too, 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 no too way. Soon. What could have <laughs> brought on the rise of Chris Barnes? It is true. He did step up. Seemed to light, light a fire under him. And that's, again, a perfect transition because I think we had originally were going to do offensive player of the year thus far, defensive player of the year thus far. And Campbell would have been, again, that moment where we go, yeah, he's the dude. But who has been the difference maker overall for this Packers team? Who do you look at and go, that's the one of the top reasons why this team is nine and three and in the position to potentially get a number one seed? Andy, guess first on this one. Go ahead. Oh, um, so I was actually going to go with Rasul Douglas, and it was actually a really, uh, really close there between uh, him and, and Devondre Campbell. I think that Devondre Campbell has really brought this unit together uh, and, and in despite of, of all of the injuries they've had. But the way Rasul Douglas has you know, came came from Carolina where he was a starter, played played all I think he played all 16 games or, or played almost all the games last year for Carolina. Ends up getting cut by a couple teams, uh, Houston being one of which, then gets signed to our practice squad to be elevated to where he's at and to be performing in a way that not only is he filling in for all of the injuries they have, but he is starting and playing at an extremely high level. It's excited. It's, it's exciting to see him out there. Is he making some mistakes? Yeah, he's letting some guys over the top. Um, albeit, I think in some of those instances, we're we're seeing this Amos or or Savage who comes up and uh, bites on an underneath route a bit harder. Rasul thinks he has over the top help and ends up getting beat deep. But uh, overall, I've just been so impressed with a guy who wasn't really nobody anticipated he'd be contributing for this team and he's winning games for us. Yeah. And you could tackles. You could yes. make an argument. You could make an argument that we're seven and five without Rasul Douglas, a practice squad pickup from Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's impressed me very, very much. All right. I'll, I'll jump in. The judge will go second on this one. I've got a few selections. Andy named one, and I wanted to just make sure we, we highlight different names. So I'm going to go with Eric Stokes, rookie corner that obviously we all had high hopes for being a first-round pick, but 
you know, there were multiple selections in that draft slot that we were hoping we'd get. And I remember when the Eric Stokes name came across the bottom of the screen, you're like, that's not even the Georgia cornerback that we were all excited about, (laughs) who is also having a good season. But 38 tackles, nine passes defended. He's been asked to not just play the third cornerback role that he was expected to coming out of training camp. Let's have Jair at one, Kevin King at two, Eric Stokes at three. Shannon Sullivan can mix in if Stokes struggles. He's been asked to be cornerback one on numerous occasions, and he's hung in there. Has he been perfect? No, but for a rookie, he to me, he is showing signs of being a future lockdown corner. And obviously he's got a bit of a ways to go, but he's showing everything you could hope for out of a rookie corner that he could be – you're not going to ask for Jair level because Jair is like all Madden level. But if if he could just be a little bit under Jair, you're creating a one-two cornerback combo that puts you in Super Bowl contention every year with the way the NFL is built for passing. Um, so I'm so stoked with the way Stokes is playing. That was perfect. I didn't even try to do that, guys. I didn't even rehearse that. <laughs> you didn't have yeah, that. We know your we know your notepad. <laughs> Shut yeah, up. Your notepad is just that over and over. Stokes. I'm stoked for Stokes. I'm stoked for you Stokes. Stole yeah. mine. You stole mine. Stokes. Eric Stokes has been amazing. I I I just want to touch on him because he was the guy I was going to pick. But how he stays in the hip pocket, and even when he messes up, his speed can make up for it. I mean, it, the the ceiling. Or the sky is the limit, I guess, not the ceiling. He doesn't have a ceiling. The sky is the limit for Eric Stokes. So interested to see him and Jair play together in the future. The ceiling is the roof. The roof, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Shout out, MJ. Yeah, but since you stole mine, uh, I'm just going to say Kenny Clark. Um, you know, the, I was really worried when Zadarius, especially after week one, he just didn't look right. Um, and he wasn't, uh, and he sat out all year. Uh, but I feel without Kenny Clark's consistent presence up the middle um, and consistently making plays on third and long when we need a big play or a rush on the uh, quarterback, he's there. Um, and not only that, but he's also shown up in the run game and, and ta- consistent tackle for losses. Uh, so I, I honestly think without Kenny Clark this year, uh, this defense would be a completely different story. Well, and he is constantly taking on double teams out there. He's allowing those guys on the edge to be as impactful as they are. So, you know, I think those guys in the trenches don't get enough credit. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought him up because he has he has himself taken over games at times. And remember what this could look like in a matter of just a couple weeks with Zadarius, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, mm. Kenny Clark rushing mm. the quarterback. Mm. You yeah. need to take Kenny off those doubles. Oh, my goodness. So this podcast skewed defensively, so I'm going to change my my pick a little bit. Everything that you mentioned is, is just unbelievable that our, our rookie draft pick is the leader in pass deflections, that our, our apparently biggest free agent pickup is leading in tackles while also having two interceptions, while also getting two forced fumbles. It's unbelievable. You could throw Adams in there because Adams is Adams. And honestly, Aaron Rodgers hasn't looked necessarily perfect, and he still has a 23-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. And two of those interceptions were god-awful career worse. So you know if how, he just— Hold on. Pause on that one. You know how blessed we are? 
we're talking about Aaron Rodgers hasn't been perfect, and I would agree with mm-hmm. you. He, statistically, he could be having a better season, and they're still being like, could he win another MVP this mm-hmm. year? <laughs> it's crazy. It's unbelievable. He's a, a 105, 106 rating. It's just – and I would – I don't want to do the math on what happens if you take away that that first game 23 and 2 with a 115 rating like it's it's absolutely insane but here's the guy I am going to go with. If you're talking about a guy that has single-handedly won us a ball game, which he has, and who has come onto the scene and rejuvenated this offense, Mr. AJ Dillon. That's who I'm picking because the Seattle game that ended up 17 to nothing, he single-handedly won for us with his two touchdowns. He has a few less carries with Jones, but he's staying with him in rushing yards. He has a few less receptions than Jones, but he's staying with him in receiving yards. We have talked and we have dreamt since the day he was drafted that he would be a thunder and lightning duo in the backfield. We were so excited about it. And it's coming to fruition. And he has shown that he has elevated his game, that he can be the single back when we need him to be the single back. We now trust him on fourth and short to fall forward for four yards. I I mean, I love him. And and maybe he's not necessarily the outstanding pro bowler on this team that's gotten us to nine and three. But the way that this the crowd and the team just feels energized by this dude is going to carry guys forward. Every single carry is so, so, so fun to watch. So just to be different as last pick, I'm picking A.J. Dillon. Give me home field advantage because A.J. Mm. Dillon running like that in Lambeau versus A.J. Dillon running like that in Arizona are two very different things come January. Mm-hmm. And and honorable mention, Adam Stanovich. What a damn coach. Stanovich. Oh, Stanovich, I'll say. <laughs> But what a damn coach. <laughs> Coaching he's, up that O-line. With he's so under the radar, we don't know how to say his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say coaching staff in general because LaFleur has had some burling games. Joe Barry, man, we we are we should all join together. Let's pick a city. Let's do a whole crow feast because we said some very, very mean things about Joe Barry. And I, I – can't believe it after week one yeah what i mean honorable mention no one named any of the linebackers i thought they were a given first round draft choice so i went with eric stokes but devondre campbell being the athletic healthy middle linebacker at 99 tackles Rashawn gary six and a half sacks peaking in his third year arguably arguably a pro bowler preston smith no longer dropping into pass coverage remember that problem thank god yeah remember that mike Pettin. And then, you know, even Chris Barnes from going injuries to being benched to bringing in free agents to play in front of him to getting his spot back and then all of a sudden being a consistent performer. All four of those linebackers, very commendable season in this first what we're calling a half, the first two thirds. Keep it up because that's amazing. So where of that group, who would you say, and we've listed, I think we started very specifically on naming four players and then we named just about everybody on the roster. Don't forget Tyler Ooh. Davis, the tight end with one catch for four yards. He's very <laughs> yeah. valuable product out of Georgia Tech. Who on this team, though, we're, we're coming out of this by, if we, you know, any sort of way get two wins, if the Vikings lost two games, however we get to that magical number of two, solidify that playoff spot. Now we're fighting for uh, a potential number one seed. 
to go a few rounds into this playoffs, who on this team needs to step up to be that difference maker, either because they haven't so far this season or just keep doing what you're doing. You're you're the dude that's going to get us there. I'm I'm going on offense for this one. I, I think we need help opening up the middle of the field a bit uh, for our wideouts, specifically Devontae Adams. Um, and I, I think Josiah DeGuara needs to needs to get some eyes on him. I think he needs to step up. I, I believe we're missing Tunyon a little bit. I mean, he wasn't doing great um, before he did get injured, um, but he just added, you know, those safeties had to respect Tunyon. No one's respecting DeGuara right now. It's solo coverage. Every time he gets the ball, he normally gets eight yards and then falls down. Um, but we need a presence in the middle of the field. Now, whether that's Randall Cobb or, you know, maybe Lazard starts catching the ball again, but we need a presence in the middle field. I'm hoping it's DeGuara. Uh I have a very similar view as you, Josh, but I'm going to go with Alan Lazard. Uh, he's just, I know they, they talk about him a lot in, in the run game and his blocking and, and he does a great job on special teams, I think. But he needs to come alive a bit in the past game. Uh, I think that some of this has to do with the fact that Rodgers hasn't practiced in, uh, you know, weeks now. You know, they, they talk about how Rodgers doesn't need to practice. But I do think that it is helpful for some of these younger receivers to get that timing down with their quarterback. And, and maybe once Rodgers comes back to practice, uh, that'll that'll tighten up a little bit but i'm looking for lazard to to show up a little bit here towards the end of the season damn i like this i'm man we're I, we're all defensive and then we're all offense because i was going to say aaron jones uh, we've talked about it repeatedly getting him more involved in the passing game he was so 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 good at that the second half of last year where he looks like he's blocking slips out. We talked about, you know, him twisting back and if it was a better throw from Rodgers catching it, but then he eventually started clicking as the year went on. The fact that this dude somehow some way only has five touchdowns on the year, or excuse me, uh seven touchdowns on the year. It just seems low. Like it seems like he and I know he's balancing that backfield a little bit more than it, when it was Jamal I know we're kind of spreading around that Cobb is taking probably a few of those kind of quick throws away from him. But getting Aaron Jones going to a level where you're like, this is the dude from the passing perspective, I think is going to be monstrous. We've continually said that LaFleur is saving it and saving it and saving it. And I can't wait for it to come to fruition. You say that he needs the ball more in the passing game. He's got the second most targets and the second most catches. Only behind yeah. Devante. Yeah, but a lot of those are just little screen passes. I'm looking Lord. for when he's slipping out into the secondary. Go deep, Aaron. Go deep. Well, I like all your guys' picks. And funny enough, uh, I had two options written down, and one was a different pass catcher than any of you guys listed with MVS. Remember at the end of the year last year, we're like, he's coming on strong. He's he's getting consistent. He's only caught the ball on less than half of his targets, 300 yards, two touchdowns. We're going to need more out of that position, whether it's DeGuara, Aaron Jones, Al Nazard, or MVS. Why don't you all step up and we'll just do record-setting offense. But the guy I'm going to plant my flag in as, man, if he stepped up, this thing is like lights out, we're good to go. Darnell Savage, you're not having a bad year. You're putting yourself in position. You're making tackles. Catch the ball. Catch the damn ball. Make those plays. Make those game-changing plays. 
I mean, just look at what that secondary can be. And I'm sure fans of every team are looking at their, their guys that are injured, but they're not the pro bowlers that we have injured. The plays that they could have made, should have made the games that they lost. And it was only one little difference, but man, you put Savage back there catching the ball simply as that with Jair Stokes, Kevin King, Amos being smart on the back half of the field. Man, that's a secondary that, you know, even the Kyler Murrays, even the Lamar Jacksons, even the Tom Brady's, these great quarterbacks that we're going to face, they're going to struggle with. That's a ton of playmakers back there. So if Savage can step his game up one full notch, not a half a notch, not a degree, one full notch, I like where the Packers are headed. Well, let's wrap this up with one last question about exactly where we think the Packers are heading. They are nine and three with five games remaining. They come out of this bye week on a a beautiful Sunday night game against the Bears, which might need to get a funeral procession ready for Nagy on that one. Then Nagy's we had got to be done after that. Two, <laughs> we had two Baltimore before facing Cleveland and Minnesota at home, and then wrapping up on a game that we might not have. It might be a preseason week two game against the Lions in Detroit because I would hope and pray that by that point this game doesn't even matter except for potentially a number one seed bid. But how do we think this Packers team finishes? What seed do they end up in? 5-0, and oh, one seed. Let me just jump right in Woo! here. 5-0, and oh, one seed. Coming in hot. I've been watching the Ravens. I've been watching the Browns. We all know that Viking loss in Minnesota was ugh, a frustrating one. A bunch of penalties on the offensive line that just broke up the game into like a choppiness. There just was nothing smooth about it. But bring that on Lambeau on January 2nd. I'm confident about that. The Ravens, Lamar's going to make his plays. He's going to dance around. But they just don't have enough guys. Marlon Humphrey just went out for the year, their star corner. And then the Browns. Whether it's injuries or they just don't have the right guys or the right coaching, I don't know. They just they just don't have the it factor. And then I don't think anyone should be concerned about the Bears at home or the Lions in the last week of the season. 5-0 and oh and first seed, I think anything less, you're going to be looking at that loss being like, damn it. So just just go take care of business. Let's let's go. Uh, let's go pave the way to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I, I don't think we'll go 5-0. and oh. I'm going 4-1 and one in the next five. Uh, still solid. I still think we get the one seed. Um, I think we'll be tied with the Cardinals in that um, same record. But you're right. I mean, the, the teams that we have up, they look threatening at the beginning of the year. Um, but right now, they're all down. I mean, the Bears, Ravens just lost in a real bad way to the Steelers and have been struggling late in games. Browns, like you said, not looking good. And then just take care of business within the North. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, a 5-0 and o is a very logical guess, but I'm just going 4-1 just, uh, just to say yeah. one loss. Yep, I'm going to echo that, Josh. I, I think we're going to have a slip-up here, uh, potentially in one of our one of our in-division games. I just I always worry playing those teams because they see you all the time. They know you. We know them. Uh, so I, I feel like the games are much closer and anything can go. So I go, I have us at four and one and I, I see the Cardinals lose in two of their, their next five. They got a, they got a pretty tough schedule here, uh, remaining. So I think we end up tying and, and get that tiebreaker. So that Rasul Douglas interception gives us the one seed and a, and a first round by and home field through the playoffs. 
I, I think this is the year where the Vikings just like beat us twice and we win the Super Bowl and they hold it yeah. over our heads forever. You know, it's just <laughs> dang. And then that meme where we show their trophy case with a bunch of shelves that are empty oh. just keeps circulating. I I was with Dan. I, I, I look at this remaining schedule and I go, it feels it feels like it should be a sweep. It feels like coming out of the bye, this team is pissed off, it's focused, it's ready. We continually gain players back, but I think the realist in me says four and one, but I just look at it. The the crazy thing is you look at the Arizona Cardinals, who are really the team that we're focused on right now, which is probably uh, I'm probably screwing this all up because the Bucks will come from behind and somehow pull this out. But the Cardinals still have Rams, Colts, Cowboys, and Seahawks. So they, in terms of who they have remaining, probably is one of the toughest stretches in the entire NFL. Where you look at us and it's like, it, depending on which Browns team shows up, which Ravens team shows up, which Vikings team shows up, it could be an onslaught for the Packers. So. I, I man, I, I think it's either first or second seed. I don't see us slipping beyond that. Um, and luckily, with us being able to get the wins that we have gotten, it's going to help us in terms of tiebreaker situations. There's no better feeling than knowing going into that final week that hey, if we go out and beat the Lions, we're tied with the Cardinals and hello, first seed. But I, there's nobody in the NFL right now besides a healthy Cardinals group that I, I am worried about that just everybody is tripping over themselves. So uh, I just love the fact that we're potentially in the position to have three straight years of three lost football teams. I, I just, and somehow LaFleur still isn't getting credit, which is the most insane thing in this whole con- con- conversation is we're going to, we could be 13, three, 13, three, 14, three. And everybody's like, Oh yeah. LaFleur was that Packer coach. Like how the hell is that possible? Yeah, the Packers are wasting Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers is the only reason we're 14 and three and not LaFleur. I don't know. You can't have it both ways. He's He's been amazing for a young, unknown quantity when he came in. I know he's got great players all around him and a great quarterback, but he's he's winning games against teams that have equal or better talent. Amen. But and. Thank you, Andy. Uh, it's always fun to have a Packer owner on this podcast that can give us that inside Much intelligence that we're we're looking for. So thanks for yes, having pleasure. being on for insider trading tips. How's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, how's Goot doing? How, how's Goot? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think now I if if we lose, I only have myself to blame. So I look at it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's good owner mentality right there. That's right. Put it on me. Holy mackerel. That, well, I don't know how else we can end it. Uh, so everybody will send out – we'll put in the pod description Andy's email so you can send uh, the nasties him, his way if this falls apart. But uh, appreciate everybody. Hopefully this last third of the season goes as well as the first two-third. But until then, thank you. Thank you.